I think the greatest question we can ask people is, does the Lord Jesus Christ know you? Hey, welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife of Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Hallelujah. This is episode 12 for me. Thank you so much for joining me. Hallelujah. I hope you're being blessed um, with these podcasts. I hope they're encouraging you. I hope you're learning something. I hope they're uh, challenging you and just, you know, helping you in uh, your walk with Jesus. Amen. And I hope that maybe there's some people that listen that aren't, don't yet know the Lord. And um, through these uh, teachings, we'll get to know him. All this week, I've actually been talking about um, really... The reality is just because someone calls themselves a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they are. There are actually very defining factors um, that make a person a true believer. And so that's really what I want to talk today about are true disciples. Um, You know, in the world we live in today here, um, there's a a lot of things pass. (laughs) I'll, I'll put that in quotes pass as being as Christianity. And it's just, you know, obviously it's not, you know, it's interesting when you stop to to see around the world, um, you know, the reality is, is that uh, Jesus truly is the savior of the world. He truly is because he is the one uh, and what he stands for and the Bible, his word, are the ones that people come against so strongly uh, in the world, try to to defile, uh, try to change uh, what the Word of God says, try to change who He was and um, who He is. And so, you know, it's proof. If if, if you have for over 2,000 years people uh, doing everything they can uh, to get rid of you, which, I mean, you know know what I'm saying, uh, that that's a sure sign <laughs> that you've got the right thing. You've got the true thing. Amen. So that's really what I want to talk about today or is true disciples. And, and so this is my 12th episode, like I said, and if you've been listening to all of them, you're, you're probably figuring out, um, uh, this gal does not hold back. <laughs> no, I don't, and this gal doesn't go for all the easy subjects. Amen. Um, My responsibility is to help the body of Christ to mature into the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ, building up of the church and the perfection and equipping of the saints. That is my responsibility. That is what God's called me to do. And most specifically, he's called me to help people walk in the good life that God has prepared and made ready for them in Christ Jesus, doing those specific works that he had planned and prepared for them to do ahead of time. So that's why I don't, I don't have time to, to come at this from, from an easy angle, if you will. I mean, I believe that time is short upon this earth and we only have so much time to accomplish everything that God has for us to do. And so I don't know about you, but my greatest desire and what I'm working towards is, is that well done, my good and faithful servant, right? I'm aiming towards that. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to get to heaven and, and Jesus go, Oh, glad you made it. (laughs) 
right? I don't know if that's really biblical, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just can't see. Well done, my good and faithful servant were given to though that entrance was given to those that did something with what they had been given, right? Peter tells us that God has given us everything. One translation is he has deposited everything within us that pertains that we need for life and godliness. Jesus has deposited us. And the reality is, is on his return, Jesus is going to expect a return on what he's deposited in us. Amen. And there's more than one parable that teaches about that, that he expects a return on what he's given us. Our time, our talents, skills, gifts, every single person that has ever been born in this world were born with God-given gifts. Now, does that mean every person use those God-given gifts for the glory of God? Absolutely not. Does that mean every person uh, um, that's ever been born has used those gifts for the building up of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Does that mean that many have used, have used the gifts that God the Father has given them to build their own castles, their own kingdoms, and to actually glorify the devil? Absolutely they have, right? And so... You know, there's that truth in reality to every person that's ever been born. But then to those of us that have been truly born again in Christ Jesus, and I've shared a lot this week of what that looks like, what the scripture says. Again, it wasn't about what Amanda says. It's about what the word of God says. And and I, I'm going to stick to that. And I don't claim to know everything and I don't have everything figured out. And can I just tell you that in, in I even, I realized along the way that I had some things wrong. I had some understanding wrong. And there were even times in the past where I taught things wrong. And I thank the Lord regularly that he did not set me in front of a bunch of people when I was incapable of truly uh, dividing his word and, and, and instructing people properly. Amen. I would hate to think that I was the cause of somebody thinking wrongly about God or the word wrong. And I, again, I'm not saying that, that I still know everything, but I try to teach what I do know. I think that's what's most important. I, as a believer, I try to teach what I know and who I know. I teach you the Jesus that I have knowledge of personally and what his word says. And those are not in contrast, right? Those aren't competing. The Jesus that I know lines up with what the word says concerning him. He is the living word. Therefore, he's no different than what the written word says. Amen. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize that although every person that's ever uh, been upon on this earth, it and truly the reality too in this world is many children that were conceived were never actually born in this earth because um, we've sacrificed our children on the altar of Moloch and abortion and all kinds of things. And so, but it doesn't mean that God didn't conceive them with gifts because he did. And so many gifts got unrecognized because People were snuffed out before they were ever even born. And then upon this earth, obviously, we know a, a lot of things happened. But then we have people that live 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years 
and never do anything with their life to further the kingdom of God and to bring glory to the Father. You know, and, and that's, that's shameful. That, that's shameful. And then for believers, true believers, born-again believers to realize not only do we have those gifts that we were born with, but then being born again, now there's like an extra sauce on top of those gifts. Amen. And for believers to sit around and be lazy, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I know what the, the scripture said. Um, in, in the parables with the talents, the, the two servants that did something with what they were given, it didn't, and it didn't matter that one did let or one did less than the other. He didn't care about that. He did something with what he was given. And the Lord said, enter now. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But the one that didn't do anything but took his talent and buried it, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. God does not honor laziness, you know? And I know there's a lot of things. And look, I know that God is merciful. And I know that God has a lot of grace. Please don't misunderstand me here, you know? But I think for far too long, the church has, has, has tilted way too far on the side of God's mercy and grace and not enough on the fact that we are called to follow God's instructions. And that's what I've been talking about this week. If you truly love the Lord, is, then you actually obey his commandments. If you're truly walking with him, then you walk in his commandments and those commandments are not burdensome to you. Again, I'm not trying to be all, you know, negative Nelly here, but this ain't negative. This is truth. This is truth that actually makes uh, people free. This is truth that actually keeps people um, in the place where they're supposed to be walking in the way that they're supposed to be so that when Jesus does return, they'll have nothing to be ashamed of. And I can't say that I've got it all right because I haven't. There have been things I'm praying and believing for God to redeem time that I know that I've wasted opportunities with people that I know I let pass by. I'm asking God to redeem those things. I am asking because I know that there have been things that I didn't do that I should have. And there was time that I wasted that, you know, time is the most valuable resource that you have. And yet most of the time we waste it. And so I'm here to challenge people. You know, I want to see people walking in the fullness of everything that Jesus died, suffered, died, um, was buried, was resurrected, and then ascended for you and I to have. I want to see people take full advantage so that when you and I get to heaven, we won't realize we missed out on a whole lot that we could have had on this earth because we were too lazy to go after it, that we we were too, we felt too rejected and we felt like people didn't like us. And, and well, you don't understand what that church did to me. And you don't understand what those, you know, and we can have all the excuses in the world, Right. But we're not here to please people. We're here to, to please God. We were created to worship him. And the whole, whole thing of worship is, it's not singing songs, which that's worship. Yes, don't get me wrong. But that to real, worship literally means to bow down. That means you surrender your life to him and you worship him for who he is. And you say, here I am, Lord. If you can do something with this life, then please use me for your glory. Amen. And so you may feel like, as I'm saying this, maybe you feel like, man, I've wasted some time and, and I haven't even found out what God wants me to do with my life. And, you know, because God has a call and a purpose for every person's life. 
God has a call and you'll never truly walk in happiness until you walk in that, in that call. And sure, people can gain a lot in this world, but, but Jesus was very clear. What does it gain a man to, to win the whole world and yet lose his own life? And so let's look at what the scripture says. I'm going to, to uh, be in Matthew chapter seven, um, today. And, and I really want to look at this and again, you know, I wish the Lord gave me an assignment (laughs) that I could just go around being people's cheerleader. Amen. (laughs) I wish the Lord's assignment on my life allowed me to just really, you know what I mean? Always bring that encouraging word, but that's actually not his assignment to me. (laughs) His assignment to me is the children, my children, my people are impudent and hard of heart. I'll send you to them and you will say to them, thus says the Lord. His assignment to me is to preach the word and in preaching the word, that's reprove, rebuke, and exhort, right? Two thirds of it is reproving and rebuking, telling people where their lives are wrong. (laughs) Amen. And so it's not like I glory in that because it's just the reality. I glory in the fact that my call is to do what God's called me to do. And though I would at times wish, I, you know, my assignment would be a little bit easier. So maybe more people would like me, but that's actually not true because I know people that that, 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 that is their assignment, that the mostly what they do is, is be people's cheerleaders and encouragers, right? And I am actually a, a big encourager of people. Um, you know, when I have one-on-one relationship with people, and that's one of the things when I, when I'm training people and helping people, um, walk in what God has called them to do, I'm a huge encourager and I'm a promoter of other people. That's just, it's just what I do. I love to see people walking in what God has called them to do. And even in the early stages when we don't yet have it all together and we don't have it, God, he loves to see a, a work begin. Amen. And then he goes about perfecting that work in us and through us that he began because he's not only the author, but he's the perfecter and the finisher of it. So not only does he like to see it begin, but he expects it to come to its full end and be complete. And every one of us to accomplish our assignment upon this earth down to the last detail. So I'm here to actually help you do that, right? Given some of the hard teachings and the things that people don't necessarily like, but are actually often the things that help us grow up. And in the process, you'll, you know, um, if you've been listening to me, if not, and this is your first time, I'm going to encourage you along the way with much, you know, because it is to preach is reprove, rebuke and exhort, which has encouragement. It also has, you know, warning, which is a lot of, you know, what comes, but it's, I, I, people need to be encouraged and I want to encourage you in that. So I'm going to be in Matthew chapter seven today, and I'm going to read um, out of the Amplified Classic. I'm going to start in verse 13. And there are a few verses that I'll actually hit later on after I finish reading the Amplified Classic. I'm going to go back and and read them out of the New Living. Just, it's a little bit less wordy, but it's important to hear, I believe, this expounded explanation of what these words are and what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. 
But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you dressed as sheep, but inside they are devouring wolves. You will fully recognize them by their fruits. Do people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy, sound tree bears good fruit, but the sickly, decaying, worthless tree bears bad, worthless fruit. A good, healthy tree cannot bear bad, worthless fruit, nor can a bad, diseased tree bear excellent fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will fully know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great and complete was the fall of it. It's powerful, powerful words from Jesus right there. And so, you know, here's, here's the reality. He says, wide is the gate and spacious is the broad and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction. And many are those who are entering through it. You know, in the book of, of Proverbs in both chapters 14 and 16, we have this warning and it's, it's worded actually the exact same way. <clears throat> oh, let me find it. I don't have it. In verse 12 in Proverbs 14, there is a way which seems right to a man and appear, appears straight before him, but at the end of it is the way of death. In chapter 16 of Proverbs Verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but at the end of it is the way of death. And some translations say destruction, right? And so what we see in a lot of today's world is that people think they're on the right path. They're do-gooders, right? I see this a lot in the quote church. People are in church. They're do-gooders. They, they, they pat themselves on the back because they do all what they call good works. But I don't know that they've ever led not one. I don't know if they've led any person to Jesus personally or invited someone to church and the person got saved 
in church and a meeting and, and got planted in the body of Christ. You know, they're do-gooders, so they think they're great, you know, and everybody around them applauds them and pats them on the back and think they're wonderful people. You know, there's a lot of good people that have done, quote, good works that are in hell. Jesus says here in the Matthew chapter seven, many will say on me, have we not, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, driven out demons and done many mighty works in your name? And he says, I will declare to them openly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. And the great, you know, one of the greatest commandments, I mean, we know the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your, all your strength. And the second like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you do commandment number one, then you're going to do commandment number two. You can't not, right? But one of the, the greatest commandments he gives us is go into all the world as the church once we're born again we have responsibility go into all the world preach the gospel make disciples that's what we're called to do make disciples we've got to get people planted in the kingdom of God we've got to teach them the ways of Jesus Christ how it is to walk that way victoriously and every single believer needs to be telling other people about Jesus that's just the reality of it so you got a bunch of do-gooders, but they never lead anybody to Jesus. And I'm not saying we're not supposed to do good things because the Bible says we are. But you know, I'm, I'm actually not called to be a food pantry. <laughs> you know, my church isn't called to be a food pantry. We'll feed people. And we give people groceries. But I expect them to come to church. I'm not just going to pass out groceries to anybody and everybody. It's not my assignment. What good does it do to make people fat and send them to hell? It's not doing anybody any good. My assi assignment is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. That's my assignment. Now in that, I, I want to help people and I want to provide and, you know, and, and we do that. But the least that people could do if you, if you need some food is you could show up on Sunday, right? Because trust me, you, there are food pantries everywhere. People don't really have to go hungry because they're everywhere in the United States of America. Everywhere. And I'm thankful for the people that do that, but that's not my assignment, right? <clears throat> it's not my assignment to have you know, a clothing store uh, for people. Yes, the Bible says we should feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. There are many times that we have helped people in our own congregation. We bought clothes, shoes, food, as well as people that have come to our church. And we've done outreaches and we provide clothes, shoes, gift cards, gas cards, all kinds of things. So it's not that we don't do that. But when we do outreaches, the reason we do that is, is to draw people to the goodness of God because we should be walking billboards of the goodness of God. And, and the Bible says, do you not understand the goodness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? And so that's what we try to do is to display the goodness of God so that when people hear the preaching of the word, then their hearts will repent and receive life through Jesus Christ. Amen. And for those that belong to our church, our responsibility is to help them. Make sure they have 
food on their table and clothes on their back and shoes on their feet. Amen. And if they need help with bills, then, then we'll do that too. We'll also help in the practical sense to do what we can to help them get things in order in their home so they don't have to continue to live that way, right? My job isn't to keep people poor. My job is to teach people how to walk in the prosperity offered to them by the cross of Jesus Christ. We're told in the book of Corinthians is that it says how you're becoming more, more acquainted progressively more acquainted with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he was very, very rich, but he chose to become very, very poor so that through his poverty, you might be rich. Amen. So the more we get to know the Lord, the more we should walk in true prosperity. And that literally means rich in money and material possessions. If you look it up. So I don't care. That whole chapter, second Corinthians eight, and nine, the, both of those chapters are about money. <laughs> about finances. But we know, as we all understand, people can go through hard times, you know, and I don't mind when people in our church, if they go, they need help, they're there to help. But the reality is, is that I'm not a do-gooder, right? Yes, I understand. One of my favorite scriptures is Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and fire, and he went about and doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And that's mostly the good that he did. He got people healed. Amen. Delivered. A couple times he fed a bunch of people, right? But that was the good that he did is he taught people the word of life. Hallelujah. And they believed in him and they were saved, healed and made whole, right? That is my responsibility. All the other are just side notes. But people say, I see people and they, well, you know, I'm in the ministry, you know, but they never, never, never lead anybody to Jesus. They pass out food, they pass out clothes, but they never share the gospel. You're not in ministry. You're a charity, but you're not in ministry. Whole different thing. Whole different thing. Why? Because our job in ministry is to help people see these truths, Right? To help people know there is a very broad and wide, broad path and a very wide gate that everybody is walking through. But there's a narrow path. And a straight gate. To walk through that will truly lead to life. Many people think they're headed in the right direction, but they're not headed in the right direction. They're doing all the good things, but the good things don't get you into heaven. <laughs> Jesus clearly states here, you know, he talks about false prophets, but he's not just talking about false prophets, right? He says in, in verse 20 of, of Matthew 7 in the... Um, New Living Translation, he says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And it's true. Well, we're not called to judge. You are called to judge people's actions. We're not called to judge people to condemnation to hell. We're not called to do that. But in the body of Christ, and and. You know, we don't, there's no need to judge sinners, people that aren't walking with Jesus. Even most people that aren't walking with Jesus and are sinners, I mean, <laughs> true, real, like real sinners, they know they're a sinner. We don't need to judge them. But people who are in the church, 
and aren't walking right, that is our responsibility to help them see where things are wrong and get things lined out. Amen? It's our responsibility to share the word of God. The word of God will judge people. And that's one of something I always say. I'm not judging you. The word of God is judging you. That is its purpose. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says the word of God, uh, the, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's quickening. It's powerful, effective, operative, and energizing. It can divide the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow, and it judges the intense purpose and motives of our heart and our mind. That's what the word of God does. And so when people feel judged, it ain't because the people of God are judging them. It's because the word of God is judging them. Amen. And that's what it's supposed to do. Because that's the only thing that has the power to actually change you. So he says, you'll actually know people by their fruit. That's what I talked about when I, when I was in the passage in Galatians passage, in, in chapter 5, when we were talking the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit, it's, it clearly stated, these people that do these works of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it says those that actually belong to Jesus have actually crucified their flesh. And then when we were in the first epistle of John, it talked about how no one who truly belongs to Jesus can continue to live a life of sin because if they do, they don't belong to him. They don't even know him. It says, actually, if they continue to live a life of sin, it proves they're actually children of the devil. That's what it says. Not Amanda. That's what the word of God says. Amen. And it's the same here. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, right? Because people can say, Lord, Lord. But in the book of Romans in chapter 10, where it talks about uh, salvation, it says this word that we preach, which is the word of faith, is near you. It is in your heart and it is in your mouth. Because if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. For those who call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It says to meet, to call upon the name of the Lord means you're invoking him as your Lord. Many, Jesus says, will say to me, Lord, Lord, but they ain't entering into the kingdom of heaven because they don't actually do. He said, only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. You can say Lord, Lord all day long. I mean, shoot the demons. We're told in the New Testament, the demons know God. And they tremble. <laughs> they ain't going to be in heaven. And you have people who call themselves Christians and live hellish lives and have no fear of the Lord whatsoever. No fear whatsoever. It, it isn't going to work. And he goes on to instruct us here that it's extremely important to understand that there is a grave difference between those that are truly righteous and those that are not. True disciples are those who do the will of the Father. True disciples are those who do the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father? Well, first, we have to be born again, right? Amen. And second, Jesus proved to us what the will of the Father 
is because that's what he did when he came to the earth. And more than one time, he says, I've come to do your will. It's told us that in the book of John. It's that told us that in in the book of Hebrews. And what did he do? He went around preaching about himself, teaching you know, he's, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was teaching in the synagogues and he was healing people. That is the will of the father. Amen. And so we must be born again. And then we go about doing the will of the father. And those are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Again, I know what people say. I've heard it all my life. I grew up in church and I know what people, I know what people say. I can remember this one situation. <clears throat> and a young man died. And the family went to the same church that I grew up in. And they said, well, he, he knew Jesus as his Savior. He just didn't know him as his Lord. And I thought, and I, I was young at this time. I'm thinking, I was, you know, in my 20s, I'm thinking, that that's not even right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not even biblical. So I went to the word. And like I said, in Romans chapter 10, clearly says, those who call upon the name of the Lord, those who invoke the Lord as their Lord shall be saved. And if Jesus is Lord of your life, then you ain't. <laughs> Amen. There can't be two masters. There can only be one. I'm not saying that there aren't times. There are times when I've tried to want to do things the way I wanted to do them. Amen. And then I had to repent and tell the Lord, I'm sorry, and then do it the way he wanted me to do it. Amen. I'm not saying that. So please, you know, don't misunderstand me here, but I am trying. I want to see people build their life upon the rock. It says, because it says anyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, Obeying them will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, and wise man who built his house upon the rock. When you build your house upon the rock, people will know it because it doesn't matter how strong the winds are of any storm you engage or any storm that comes against you. It doesn't matter how high the floods get from any storm that rages against you. You still stand. And when the storm is over, you still stand in. Amen. Hallelujah. But then Jesus says, but then the other side of that is the stupid, foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. You know, the particles that make up sand also make up rock. <laughs> but it's just bits and pieces, right? Sand is just bits and pieces where the rock is a solid rock. And that's what many people want to do in the, in, in, in the church. They want to take the bits and pieces of the word of God that they like and live by them, but they don't want to take the bits and pieces that they don't like and live by them. You can't do that. The whole counsel of God is truth. Amen. You can't build your life on sand. Oh, I like this part of the word and I like that part of the word and I like this part and I like that part, but I don't like all those other parts. That's not the way it works. And you don't get to decide which parts you like and don't like and which parts you're going to obey and which parts you're not going to obey. You obey it. Just Obey Jesus. Amen. Walk in the word. Walk in his commandments. If you'll do that, then you've got nothing to be concerned about. Nothing. When you build your life on the rock, 
Jesus Christ at Solid Rock, when you build your life on the rock and you walk in his ways, he's always got your back. Always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You will not be ashamed, right? It says, he tells us, if anyone puts their trust and belief in me, they will not be disappointed or put to shame. You might walk through some times in life where you feel a little shamed and disappointed because things aren't going as, as you think they should. But if you stick with God, I'm telling you, <laughs> right? I'm telling you. I mean, people will be standing in awe at you, at the things that God has accomplished in you, for you, and through you. That's how God intends for every one of us as his children to build our life on the solid rock, the fullness of Jesus Christ and that foundation, which is holiness, walking in obedience to his commandments. And as we do that, we'll climb higher and higher and we'll get brighter and brighter. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, sand is not a place to build a house because when the floods come and the winds blow and beat against it, the house will not only fall, but the fall will be complete. It will be completely destroyed. So let's, let's line some things up in our life. Let's get some things put together. Let's get in the word of God and see. And, you know, and, and I want to challenge you. I, I, I've probably done this in several of my episodes. Find out why you're here on this earth. What God wants you to do that will bring him glory. Because then you'll prove, then you'll prove that you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, right? In John chapter 15, Jesus said, when you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask anything of the Father in my name and he'll give it to you. And you'll produce much abundant good fruit and that will bring glory to the Father and you will prove that you are true disciples of mine. See, our life has to be aimed at producing good, abundant fruit for the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be in ministry to do that. If you're doing what God has called you to do, you know, that might be a, a mom raising kids, right? That might be a, a construction worker. It might be a business owner. It, it, it might be a doctor. It might be a lawyer. It might be a teacher. Um, you know, it could be all kinds. It might be a nurse. It could, you know, there's all kinds of things. It might be a secretary. It doesn't matter. If you're doing what God created you to do and honoring him in the work that you do, You know, if you work in a job, people should know that you're a Christian. One, they should know by your actions and your words, but that ain't the only way they should know. If you work in a job with other people, people should know that you're a Christian because you talk about Jesus and you ought to be talking about Jesus to them. That's just the reality of it. You know, people... You know, and that's just because that's how people are. Well, you, I, I, I was always told you two things you shouldn't talk about with people are religion and politics. Yeah, well, that actually, my word tells me I must talk about Jesus. And he ain't religion anyway. Amen. He's the light of the world. He's the resurrection 
and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He is the miracle working God. He is the promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. He's the great I am. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He is Yeshua. Hallelujah. He is Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, Healer. He is the rock, the salvation, my strength, my song, my refuge, my strong tower. Hallelujah. And he'll be that to anyone that chooses him as their own personal Lord and Savior. We are required (laughs) by covenant we have with God to tell other people about Jesus. So I don't care what everybody else says. I am required in any way. When you have good news, don't you want to tell other people? Shoot. You go to a good restaurant and have a good meal. You tell other people. When you've got good news that will change people's lives, snatch them out of the pits of hell and put them firmly standing on the rock that cannot be shaken in the kingdom of God, then why wouldn't you tell people? The scripture is very clear. We should do everything we can to save those who are dying, those that are on the way to hell. We should do everything we can to to tell them the truth. If they don't want it, that's up to them. But we better be telling them, amen? Hallelujah. 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 Jesus didn't just die on the cross for you and me. He died on the cross for the whole world. How are they going to know if we don't tell them? Well, they already know. That's actually not true. In America today, there are actually a lot of people that don't know. They've never heard. So we need to do what the word of God says. Because Jesus says, it's not those that say to me, Lord, Lord. But it's those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, I want to challenge you. You need to find out why you're here. You're not here by accident or by mistake. You're not a mistake and you're not an accident. It doesn't matter the origins of your, of your conception and your birth. It doesn't matter about that. God don't care. He's not ignorant. He wasn't unaware of how you were going to arrive on this earth. Okay? So that doesn't care. God don't care about that. He cares about you. And he's put you on this earth for a purpose and a reason that will bring him glory. And in that, as you bring him glory and prove yourself to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you'll live the best life you can possibly live. The life that he gives us is an eternal life. It's an everlasting life, but it's also resurrection life. Even the things that look like they're dead and ain't ever going to happen. Come on now. We're talking resurrection life. It is also an abundant life. A life that you're called that he has for you is a life for you to enjoy. A life to the full till it's overflowing. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the life he has for you. It doesn't start when you get into heaven. It starts the moment you make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. And if you made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior already, and you don't feel like you're living that life, well, I'm here to help you live that life. That's why I'm teaching the word. And 
If you're getting this and you're falling it and you're walking in it, then I suggest you find yourself some new friends and new people to hang around, people who know how to live that abundant life, people who know how to live that resurrection life, people who know how to have fun and laugh for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to be around joyful, happy people. Amen. Because they will help you. Hallelujah. 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 Man, I'm telling you. The word of God every time gets me fired up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I see all the shame melting off of you now in the name of Jesus. All the shame and all the guilt melting off of you now in Jesus' name. Shonkonda baradabese i kakara dadobose kiantambaba bababa babaso koradoboshete. Come out of that tomb and live. Kondadrese. You shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for every listener. Speak to their hearts, Holy Spirit. Convict them if Convictions needed. Correct them if corrections needed. Instruct them where they need instruction so they know what steps and which direction they're headed. Train them, Father God, for everything that you've called them to do. May they be sensitive to your voice. May they seek out and search out all the hidden things that you have stored up made ready for them. Hallelujah. Grant to every one of them, Father, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. May they never forget that greater is you who is in them than he who is in the world. That amid all things, you have made them more than conquerors and they obtain victory. Hallelujah. Glorious victory through you, Jesus Christ, who loves them. Hallelujah. May they lift their voice in praise and thanksgiving. And as they do, I thank you, Lord, you invade their praises and you enthrone yourself upon those praises and you take charge in every situation and every circumstance in their life that is bringing them trouble, a tribulation or trial in Jesus name. And if they find themselves in the midst of trouble, tribulation, or trial, may they rejoice and count it all joy. Hallelujah. Knowing that they're coming out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're coming out. Hallelujah. Full and on fire. Strengthened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Father, for every heart that is hurting, maybe there's sorrow in their heart. 
from one thing or another that's happened in life. Comfort them, Holy Spirit, because no one can comfort like you. Wrap them in, a, in the Father's love like a warm blanket and remind them that you're there. And may they live, lift their voice in thanksgiving, acknowledging that. Hallelujah. Go into the deepest recesses of their heart. Heal the brokenhearted. Make it whole in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I hear it again. Come out of that tomb and live. Come out of that tomb and live. Eternal life, resurrection life, abundant life. Come out of that tomb and live in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Bye-bye.